from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard. I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thank you for spending some of your time with us tonight. As a reminder to all our listeners, besides being on all your favorite podcast platforms, A Drink of Wisdom is also on YouTube with each show segment available. Head on over, and if you like what you hear, well, we would appreciate your subscription. What's going on, guys? Happy Friday. A lot to get into tonight. Yep, a whole lot to get into. The, you know, that Super Bowl rematch, was that was real cool last night. You know, NBA player rankings, just so much to get into. Let's go ahead and rock and roll on it. Let's talk some sports, baby. What's going on, fellas? You know what it is. Uh, pull up a seat. You know we got to speak, et cetera, et cetera. Don't let that get too far ahead of you. Let's roll, Cody. All right. In episode 21, Playoff P gets paid. We're ranking the top 10 players in the NBA, and we're checking in on college football. Let's go ahead and get going tonight with a look back at Thursday night football. The New England Patriots suffered a big loss to the Los Angeles Rams, 24-3. The Rams' defense shined under the lights, forcing Cam Newton into a rough game where he threw for just 119 yards and had a pick six. Uh, Jared Goff wasn't exactly amazing either, but Cam Akers did help hide that with over 170 yards rushing. Uh, the win propels the Rams to first place in the NFC West and likely locked up their playoff spot. Meanwhile, the Patriots need a miracle to find their way into the postseason now. So, Jay, how good are the Rams exactly, and uh, what's next to the Patriots? Oh, well, I don't, I don't know how good exactly the Rams are. I'm still – even though it's, it's, I think it's quite impressive uh, what they've been able to accomplish this year, um, given their expectations for them uh, before the season started. Um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of amazing to me. I think, you know, Drinks brought this up from time to time. All the all the money they seemingly have spent and just stacked on several key positions, uh, we we thought they'd end up paying paying the price for it, uh, but they you know they appear, they appear to be doing quite well. And I think the biggest surprise has been um, their defense has played remarkably well. I believe it's performing at a you know the level of a top five unit. Um, and when you look at you know that defense is clearly built around uh, two cornerstones and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Um, outside of that, you know, you look up and down that defense and you're, you're not quite sure who some of these guys are, but they, they play well as a unit. It's just, it's just kind of – it's amazing to me when you look back a couple of years ago at, that, at the Rams' defense when they had Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters and, you know, you brought in guys like that and you just expected on a Wade Phillips for that defense to be the best thing smoking. It, it never really materialized. Uh, this unit right here is playing, is playing better than that unit ever did with a, um, despite not having as much star power but between Aaron Donald uh, Jalen Ramsey and some, you know some other guys on this defense um, they make it happen I think and I think their defense has really set the tone for them 
And I think they're, you know, they're built kind of how the, the, uh, they play the way, you know, Sean McVay wants to play. You know, they're predicated on the running game. Um, and Jared Goff, you know, they like to get him on play action, get him outside the pocket, get the, the defense flowing one way, and then he'll, you know, they'll throw it the, uh, where the defense, away from the, where the defense is, uh, is trying to focus in on the run. When they run the football and Jared Goff can use play action, they're very difficult to stop. Uh, he's got, a, you know, of course, he's got a very good pair of wide receivers, Robert Woods and uh, Cooper Cup. Um, so they, they they have they have a lot of good things. I, I'm still I'm still a little unsure about how far they can go. I think they've absolutely overachieved um, thus far. But uh, I, I, as far as you know, if if you ask me, if the question is, are they a legit Super Bowl contender? I, I absolutely I absolutely don't see that at this point. And and to be quite honest, in terms of uh, the game, what what we saw happen last night, um, I know the score was a little, seemed a bit lopsided. But I don't think the Patriots were, were really supremely outplayed. Uh, I didn't think when you look at, you know, the comparison between Goff and Newton la- and Cam Newton last night, I don't think I don't think Jared Goff really really outplayed him, you know, by an extreme margin. But I mean, when you, when you when you look at what the New England Patriots are right now, I mean, their 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 offense is is pretty limited, and I and I think some of it, one of the guys that I don't think has been brought up brought up quite often this year is um is the Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. I mean I'm looking at I'm looking at this offense last night and some of the you know the Patriot the Patriots obviously got off to a rough start last night. They were down 10 nothing and then they had they had three straight drives where to me I think they lost the game. You know obviously when you throw a pick six on a screen pass um, that's just one of those you know just ill timed poor decisions which has really haunted Cam Newton this year. And then you have you have but you you have two more drives back to back where um, on the the drive after that when it was seventeen nothing the Patriots you know they get into into a goal to go situation and then they run the ball four straight times in that goal to go situation and it's almost like where was the creativity in the offense I mean you couldn't you couldn't dial up one pass play in that time and then on the next drive you know you you, you stall out in the red zone again so you had three really sustained drives back to back to back. And you come away with three points. To me, that, w- that was the point in the game where the Patriots had a chance, you know, to get back in the game, and that was where they lost it. You know, you can they, they obviously got off to a, a really bad start. That first drive was the Rams was boom, 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 boom. You had a big pass play to Tyler Higby for about 25 uh, after an offsides penalty. Uh, Cam Akers broke off, broke off um, his first, uh, 35-yard run, I believe it was, and they scored it. They scored rather quickly. And then, you know, the Patriots went three and out. The Rams kick a field goal. And the Patriots on that on the drive where Cam threw the, the interception on the screen pass, it looked like if they'd have been able to score on that drive, they could have kind of turned the tide back. But they weren't able to do it for whatever reason. And you know as well as I do, when a team, when you're a team like the Patriots and you're so predicated on running the ball and you get behind by a margin like that, I mean it it, it it's ne- it's almost impossible to come back. And I think, you know, obviously we spent a I think we've spent a fair amount of time, you know, criticizing Cam Newton. Uh, for his for his performance this year, and it hasn't it hasn't been good. When you look at what we expected from uh, from him, and and my, you know my position on this is we'd like to see a little bit of a a little bit of a transformation. Let's 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 um move a little bit away from running the football. Let's go back and try to be a little more traditional because, as I've said you know numerous times, as you continue to age, you know the body is going to be able to um it's not going to be able to withstand some of those hits. He's doing he's done a, he's done to, in my mind he's done a fine job running the football. Uh, but as he continues to age, it's not going to be the same way. He's not going to be able to handle all those hits. 
he's going to have to he's going to have to do better um, than he's done this season if the if he's you know got legitimate uh, if he legitimately wants to continue being a starting quarterback. I mean, we 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 saw it in the off season. There were there were no nobody was calling Cam Newton for whatever reason. Um, so he, he's got to perform better. I think I don't I don't I know Bill Belichick has already came out and said you know Cam's our starting quarterback because from what I see I, I don't think Jared Stidham appears to it doesn't look like he's got much at all. And I think it's almost it's almost a little bit similar to what Philadelphia is dealing with with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. The supporting cast. I think the Patriots, their complement of receivers, it's just not all that impressive. I mean, when, De, when Demir Bird, I believe, is your leading receiver, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but that doesn't inspire the greatest amount of confidence. And when uh, on the broadcast, when they showed that graphic of the, the wide receivers that the Patriots have drafted, I believe they were, were they all first round picks? I think they were, maybe, maybe not. So, yeah. I don't, I don't think they were. I don't think, no, no. Braxton Burroughs, he wasn't a first-round pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, the, but the point is, the point is, when you looked at that group of wide receivers and, like, almost all of them except for Nikhil Harry and, you know, there was one other one that's been drafted kind of recently. But um, guys like Braxton Burroughs and Aaron Dobson and Malcolm Mitchell and, I mean, none of these guys are around. So it kind of is, is – and that, that's one like criticism I think that's been levied at Bill Belichick. Maybe it's one of those reasons that Tom Brady isn't around anymore because you couldn't necessarily get him the weapons and, and develop those players um, at the skill positions. And they're obviously paying the price for it. Um, and when you get, when you turn the ball over a, a team like the Patriots, that is so, you know, they, they really have to you know be methodical about moving the football because they don't have much of a passing game. When you make, when you throw pick sixes like that, you know, it's gonna it's gonna bite you, and of course the Patriots defense. They, yeah, I thought they competed fairly well, but they uh, they just couldn't do enough um, in the run game defensively. Cam Akers obviously a career night for him. I think last point on the Rams. I think the um, being able to see um, somebody like Cam Akers come out have a breakout night. They've been running like a three man backfield the entire season with Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers, and Malcolm Brown. I think I think that was very easily the most impressive uh, performance last night. Uh, on the season for Los Angeles Rams running back. And I think somebody coming out and having a, a you know, kind of like, obviously you want to, I think as a head coach, offensive coordinator, you want to go with the hot hand at that position, but you'd like to see one of those three guys stand out and a guy you can like feature a little bit for. And I think that may have been the most positive development for them last night, having a guy like Cam Akers really have a breakout performance and a guy, maybe you can rely on him um, down the stretch and into the playoffs. Okay, so <clears throat> so I want to start kind of where you was hitting um, at the end, Jay. First of all, like you said, uh, I think one thing that's overlooked is we, we got to talk about Bill's track record when it comes to drafting offensive players. Clearly, he drafts pretty well on the defense side of the ball. I ain't going to um, knock him on that. But the offense, he had Gronk and Brady. Who else has he drafted in the first round since his tenure in the Patriots that was just a surefire, like, Hall of Fame or a top ten player of their position outside of those two? I mean, you'd have to, they've yeah, had you'd a have couple of good back. running backs and offensive linemen. I mean, Yeah, I would – and I, this probably is going way back, but, I mean, there aren't a lot that stand out. I know I know Logan Mankins, one of their offensive linemen, this was, like, years ago. That was, that was okay. a guy who panned out quite well. But, like, it's – You'd, you'd have to delve through, and you got to obviously take some time put some thought in it before, like, somebody just jumps out at you. They have quality right. starters. Absolutely. And um, yeah. also consider think, they, they draft late, and the 
draft every year. I mean, pretty much. Right. Right. But I get so that's all right. So all that ties into my point. So I I, I don't think he's that good at drafting offensive players. I would say this. He's better at going in the the free agency and saying, okay, this team didn't get enough out of this guy. I think I can right. get a little more out of this guy. Right. So therefore that's why you see a lot of, you know, interchangeable pieces on a Patriots because that's what he do. He would rather do that than draft. Um let, let's talk about this offense. This offense is trash. That's right, I'ma say it. It's trash. Um I got it. People was waiting on Cam Newton to come here and be the second coming of Jesus Christ and make something out of this offense. But it's not. I'm sorry. Cam, I'm not even going to knock you on this. Like, it is what it is. You need to play better. I'm not even going to make this segment about you because I think this offense was trash before you got there. And they put it all on your shoulders. And now we get to see how much trash it is. And, hey, them same players you named, ain't one of those the players that was playing with Tom Brady last year? When they got the young Wanaruski, got out of here in the wild card weekend. Oh, it's almost. I think it's almost worse because I mean Edelman. Edelman's not playing right now. Yeah, Ed- okay, yeah, Sanu. So it's almost. I think it's almost worse. Yo, Muhammad Sanu didn't do crap. No, no you can't give Muhammad True. Sanu credit for nothing. He's got a name. He's got, at least he's got a name. <laughs> you know him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just saying this offense is trash. The defense is pretty decent, but this offense is trash. So. That's all I got to say about the Patriots. I've been wanting to say that for a while. It's been a long time since you watched the Patriots and said, yo, they trash on either side of the ball or special teams. This year, you can get away with saying that offense is trash. Now, let me go over to the Rams. Um, Jay brought up the point that I like to talk about. You know, uh, the Rams, they got the old American Express. Um, They just out here spending money willy-nilly. But I would say this, for all the money that the Rams have spent, the Cowboys need to take notes. Hey, Jerry, you need to go over there and talk to your boy Crunky. Oh, you wonder what I mean? Here's what I mean. They paid Aaron Donald and Jaden Ramsey. Are those not the two best players on their defense? No doubt. This is what you pay players for to be the best players on your unit. They played Jared Goff. Now, you know, I got my reservations about them playing Jared Goff. But I will tell you this. Jared Goff ain't out here looking like Carson Wentz. You ain't regretting your money like that. You ain't regretting your money like Nick Foles, like paying him all that money. So you can sit here and say Jared Goff is overpaid, but Jared Goff doing enough to justify the payment that he got. He's, certainly not, losing, he's certainly not losing them games. Exactly. So there go three three players that they didn't spend past money on. Let's talk about the two players that they spent money on this offseason, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Well, what do you know? Both of those guys are performing. So the reason I'm bringing this up and the reason I say, hey, Jerry, whip out your, your notepad is because when I pull up your five guys, oh, we, we look at totally opposite. When I pull up Zeke oh, no. and Demarcus Lawrence and Amari Cooper and – you know what I'm saying, et cetera, et cetera. I guarantee you the product, the, the product doesn't match the paycheck. I can guarantee Ooh. you that. So that's the difference. I used to get around a lot of crap because they were spending so much money. But then hindsight, it's, it it's, seems to be working out. It's, it's at least seems, they're they're paying the right people. They're paying the right people. It, it might be five people got got eighty percent of the salary cap, but let me tell you, they winning right now. 
who's the better team in the in the NFC West? Who's better than the Rams right now? It ain't the Seahawks. They up and down. Not the 49ers due to injury. Let me go ahead and get it. Due to injury is not the 49ers. And we talked about the Cardinals in the last show. You just don't know. Like, they've been hit or miss lately. Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, they've been kind of, you know, up and down. So the Rams look like the best team right now. And this was the team, and I just speak for myself, I thought was going to be the floor mat of the NFC West this year. <laughs> what do I know? You know what I'm saying? A couple of months later, look where we at. Um, so I, I think the Rams, they spent their money good or they just got lucky to the, the players that they spent their money on are performing. They're their better players. And usually when you have that recipe, your team is doing well. The Rams is doing well. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and before, before I close it out, I, I would just like to say that the Rams is not a, a NFC championship contender. I'm not going to sit here and say that. But I do think the Rams can get into the playoffs and win a game. So they can get into the divisional round. I mean, they get into the wild card round, win a game, and I can see them playing in the second week. That's about, about the ceiling for me, you know. Um, and it looks as if they keep playing the way they're playing, they will get the first game at home rather than on the road. doesn't really matter. I understand. No fans and all that. I got that. But it's just something about accomplishment. Like, we played well enough. We was told we was going to look like this, but this is what we look like. We get a home game, whoever the home game, probably coming there, smoke them or whatever, but they get a game. So um, my overall overview last night, Cam is still the starter, according to uh, Bill Belichick. It is what it is. At the end of the day, he's by far the best quarterback option they got. So if that's what you're going to get out of him, that's what you're going to get out of him. I, I would hope he played better, but he's your best quarterback option. I hate to see this for Cam because we all want to see Cam bounce back, um, you know, from everything that went on at his at the end of his tenure with the Panthers. But, you know, the, the Patriots is not good. When are we just going to leave it alone? They're, they're just not good this year. We just got to get them the same treatment we give any other sorry-ass team. Yo, yo, you suck. Get them all primetime games. I understand what their name is. One o'clock window, four o'clock window, third – Thursday night football. Let's keep them in that area. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to see them on NBC no more. We're we done with that. We don't want to see them on primetime CBS, you know. And I damn sure don't want to see them on Fox. You cannot be waiting uh, Joe Buck on some sorry-ass pages this year. I'm sorry. So that's my, my thing on Thursday night football. Holla at your boy. Hey, Rams, I owe y'all an apology. Yeah, this um, I think what we saw last night really was the Patriots hit their ceiling, right? I mean, I think we realized that Bill Belichick is still one of the best coaches to ever coach the game, you know, in the NFL period, the end. I think we know that Cam Newton is a veteran quarterback. He, he's been around plenty of times, but they just, like you said, they're just, they're not that good. And really the offense is where you see it. The defense is still, you know, again, Bill's cobbled together a defense that can, win some games. I mean, they just shut out the Chargers last week and all the rookie sensation, Herbert and all that. They just went out there and absolutely just destroyed them. But, you know, you get into a game with a little bit better team and then all of a sudden the tables completely turn. And for Newton, I, I still don't think this is the best. I don't think like he's it's to the point where he just can't play anymore, but he can't really elevate this bad of an offense. I mean, I, I heard this on, I think I saw a clip of Colin Coward. And he made a good point, you know, up and down with his points, but this one was good. He said, look, you know, if you looked at the 10 skill positions on the field in that game, 
when would the first Patriot come up? Like you're talking about, you know, quarter, uh, you know, talking about like, you know, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, etc. What Harris would maybe would he the first one? You know, at like what eight, nine? If if you even can, you could almost name ten Rams. So I, I don't. I, I think that McDaniel's is the play calling has gotten so vanilla, and it's it's like that low confidence play calling. That yet you just know sometimes an offensive coordinator just doesn't feel like they can call the plays they want to call and they get like the plan B calls. And it just, it, it has that stench of just, there's not a lot of confidence in that team. There's not a lot of confidence that receivers can get themselves open. So you've got to kind of work the plays to get them open and it just turns into a mess. And then like, you like, I think Jay said, the first mistake is just that's game over. You know, that pick six. And that's the thing that Cam really can't do. That's the difference in Cam just doing as good as he can with the offense. And then there's, missing the bigger plays and then throwing horrendous pick sixes. You just, that's the, that's the line. And last night cam was over that line. And it's, it's sad to see, like I said, I was one of the people that thought he would, he was going to be the best thing ever and come back and it'd be great, but it sucks. That's not happening. And you know, for the Rams, say, yeah, go, for it. Go, go ahead. Finish your Rams point. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the Rams, you know, they, they, uh, they're making good decisions. I mean, they, we really, you know, they're paying the best players in the field. And I think it's funny when you contrast a system team, like the Patriots, you know, all about the system, all about the system. And then you go to the Rams, they just said, well, we're going to get a good coach. We're going to pay the best people we have. And then we'll just see what happens. And, Lo and behold, they haven't gotten a Super Bowl contender out of it, but they got a pretty good team. I think if Jared Goff was the player they thought they were getting number one overall, they would be near, nearly a Super Bowl contending team still. I mean, they went to one, you know, and they could be going to more. But I think the, the problem is Jared Goff is just pretty good. He's not great or amazing. I mean, he's 3,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, 11 picks this year. His turnovers are getting better, but it's still not great. And he's not Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or any of the other, you know, top picks of, of the recent years. And that holds them back from being like truly elite, but this team is pretty good. And with all these players paid, they're going to be really good for a number of years. You, you would think. Um, and just uh, real quick for the playoff, you know, picture the Patriots are almost guaranteed to be out where the Rams have uh, the jets and they have the Seahawks and Cardinals in their last three. And they easily could win too. I mean, they're clearly going to beat the jets and then, you know, they win even the last, one of the last two. I mean, they're definitely getting in the playoffs, and they should be a fairly high seed. And like you said, Drake, they're probably be able to host a playoff game, you would imagine, at this rate, since Seahawks want to do what they do. But what'd you have, Jay? Yeah, yeah, and I, I just want to go back to the point you make about the, the how, how the Patriots run their offense, because I don't think it's something that can be undersold. I know the whole thing this season seemingly has been, you know, look, just keeping an eye on Bill in New England and looking at Brady in Tampa Bay. I think the, the biggest loser in all of this could be Josh McDaniels. When, when is jo Josh McDaniels, you know, and people have been talking about this for years, and obviously, you know, he had a two-year coaching run with Denver Broncos, which didn't work out. But, he, you know, he had the Indianapolis Colts coaching job in the bag a couple of years ago, gave it up. Nobody, Nobody's going to hire Josh McDaniels now. Because now you talk about, like, what is it Bill or is it Tom? Well, you, we can keep arguing that, but we know who it ain't. It definitely ain't Josh McDaniels. Because if it was, you could absolutely cobble something better together than this. And to me, that whole that go, that um first and goal where they ran the ball four straight times, it absolutely spoke to a lack of confidence in your quarterback. And it, it, it don't they don't they didn't even look like a pro offense last night. I don't even know if it was a college offense. I, I just they Josh McDaniels, I know we hear about Cam Newton and Bill Belichick, and I know they get the brunt of the criticism. I think that's correct. But Josh McDaniels, I don't want to undersell how – I don't think Josh McDaniels had a good season at all. 
All right, fellas, let's go ahead and move on over to the NBA. Uh, Six-time All-Star Paul George inked a five-year max contract extension worth over $226 million this week. Uh, the deal keeps George in Los Angeles as a Clipper through at least the 2023-2024 season, with a player option for a season after that. The Clippers landed a massive trade for George last season, teaming up with teaming him up with Kawhi Leonard. While their season did fall short of their lofty expectations, the Clippers now have half of their cornerstones locked down. So, Drink, did the Clippers make the right call by paying George? Well, here's the deal. Um, I think we jumped the gun a little bit. We should wait for Danny Green to sign his max contract, too, since we're going to keep signing people that didn't show up in the bubble. Um, just go ahead and add him to the list, too. But, listen, um, – <clears throat> It's the Clippers' money, I guess. Steve, Steve Ballmer, the richest owner in sports, period. Uh, he got the money. He wants to win. I guess this is a move towards wanting to win, at least showing his his duo, hey, I'm all in. Like, you, I'm all in. Like he didn't show that last year when he traded five first-round picks. Either way, he's there. He's like, hey, I want to show. No, I think this is horrible. So I, I don't like it at all. But then I do see the bigger picture here. Because when you sign a player like Paul George to a five-year, you know, Supermax, whatever, now he becomes your best trading asset. So I'm thinking, my logic is, you do one more year, you're going to run this back, and you're going to see what you can get out of it. If, if, if it doesn't bear fruit, you can turn that contract into a, bit, a good trading chip because it's going to be a max contract. He's going to... I forgot the term that they use, but it's, it's, he's, you're going to be able to stretch it out to max to match a younger player that you could bring back for Paul George. You, probably, you might have to give up a pick or something because Paul George, he's just not reliable. But just from a contract standpoint, I see it's kind of playing chess a little bit because you still get them for one year. People wonder why in the hell are you doing this? I thought that too until I actually sat down and read a little bit and I thought, hmm, that's not bad. A lot of these max contracts, when you see them, it makes it easier depending on the team to trade the player. Now, I know what you're saying. If that was the case, wouldn't James Harden be traded already? Well, Paul George ain't no, ain't no James Harden, first and foremost. But James Harden is an example of why it would be hard. Because if you have a player that plays up to their contract, now it's, hard to, it's, it's harder to trade them. Like James Harden, they want, you know, Houston want a new mansion. And then with that new mansion, they want a golf course. And then with that golf course, they want real live alligators walking across the golf. Like, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and we want this and we want that. But it's James Harden. What do you expect? You thought we was going to ask for a little cottage? No, 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 no. We, we want the noodles and caboodles. So I, I think from that standpoint, I understand it. Now, for, for my people that might be listening or watching, they saying, dang, man. You're a little hard on Paul George, ain't it? Like, just two years ago, he was third in MVP. And he was third um, in the defensive player of the year. Yeah, he was. And what happened? He also got one of the most famous shots in NBA playoff history, shot in his face by Damian Lillard. He damn near shot it from his parking spot. And they went home. So you can give me all that. But what else can you give me? Like, every time somebody referenced Paul George to me, it's a, he came up short. Give me the when he showed up big moment. This is why I have a problem with the contract. He came up short every chance he got. 
when he was with Indiana. You know, it was powerful Indiana team. Yes, he was the best player on Indiana. What what did you get? A couple of trips to the Eastern Conference Finals? Oh, okay. Then he go and then he goes to OKC. Sec, second, first, whatever, it, however you want to look at him between him and Westbrook. He goes there. We think we're gonna see this. Oh, awesome Paul George. Didn't quite get him, but we got the one year when he was third in MVP, third in defensive player, uh the defensive player of the year um running. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so okay, cool. What did you get for it? Oh, another early exit from the playoffs. Then you get him last year, right? You you so because you know some people want to use this as an excuse. Well, he had Westbrook. Westbrook can't shoot. Oh, okay. Oh, let's go to Indiana. Well, he didn't have anybody in Indiana. His best player was like Roy Hibbert or, or Lance Stevenson, whichever one you thought was the best number two at the time. Okay, I'll give you that. So then you go to Clippers. He got Kawhi Leonard, considered the best two-way player in the NBA. That's still not enough. They still go out. It's just always something. For me, it's always something with Paul George, why he can't get over the home, why he can't get over the home. If we give Harden all this crap about being a, a playoff flake or Westbrook about being a flake without Durant, whatever the case might be, then it's, damn, it's time for PG-13 to get his too. If you want to keep paying them, keep paying them. I ain't mad at somebody getting their money. Get your money, PG. They want to keep paying you. You're worth what somebody would pay you. But I'm just saying this. What is he really worth? Because every time I see him on national TV, when playoff time comes up, it's usually an elimination game, and he the one getting eliminated. That's all I'm saying. I'm, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But that's what I've been saying out of Paul George, especially – and I'm going to let George get into the, the, the semantics and this, that, and the third. But I just seen Anthony Davis get paid five-year 190, and then Paul George get, get a stench of five-year worth 200. Like, cut me a break. Just cut, cut me a break. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't – I just – I don't – sometimes I think I understand the NBA, and then I don't. Um, but, listen, for all that, I would say this. I, I understand. I think the Clippers got – they do have a long game. If they do not win the championship this year, Paul George will not be a Los Angeles Clipper next year. I guarantee you that. It's no way. That's why I think they gave him this money to be able to trade off of him and send him to some bottom feeder next year if it doesn't happen. It is what it is. Steve Ballmer, you got the money. Oh, yeah, by the way, he just bought the L.A. Forum, so he needs something to go into the L.A. Forum with with the fact that his team just got bounced out of the bubble, so he damn sure can't go there with a banner. And if he go there with a banner, it's going to say runner up or some, some trash like that. So you, you can't go there with that. So with all that said, I think it was just a move for him to, like, try to keep the juice within the Clippers. And, listen, Talu might have something to say and say, hey, man, just give me, give me the duo back and – they try to make it happen, boss. And he's like, all right, well, I got a few ducats. Let me go ahead and give them to Paul George. I like donating at this time of year. That's why he waited to de December. Best money to donate right here. You know what I'm saying? Salvation Army. Um, you know, it's just all types of stuff. What, what, what we do, toys for tots? Well, toys for Paul. You know what I'm saying? Let's just, let's just this is the time of year. Tis the season. You know what I'm saying? Do, do great things and you get it back and force and all that good jazz that they teach you. So, boom. You know what I'm saying? He helping out, you know, he helping out the people. Well, shout out to Steve Bowman on that one. I don't 
I don't I don't love it either. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, you know, I've been I think given and I think some of his recency bias because I think you can go back to two years ago when he uh, came over to the Thunder and he was he you you talk about you know third in MVP voting and that was I think that was by far probably his maybe his best regular season uh, performance. But just like I can't I can't front with you the, the last last the last we saw of Paul George gives me a very bad taste in my mouth because that was a monumental disappointment the way they exited the playoffs. And it was always my position when you, when we looked at the Clippers and Lakers, the only, the only like no question advantage was Anthony Davis being a better number two than Paul George. And all we needed was Paul George to play somewhat like himself. And I thought the Clippers would be fine. I think it turned into a little bit more than that because, you know, some of these depth guys just for whatever reason couldn't get it done. You know, Montrez, Harold, Lou Williams, they just weren't the same in the bubble. So we had that going as well. So obviously it's not all on Paul George. And, of course, Kawhi Leonard takes, you know, some of the heat because, you know, his, his um, you know, game seven performance against the Nuggets, it, it was pretty it was pretty terrible. One of the most – one of probably the most uncharacteristic performance of his career. But Paul George to me – I think in the, at, in the end, why I don't like this contract is Paul George is a superstar talent, but he's, he doesn't perform like a superstar. At the least, role at least, player like, ability. At least lately. That, that's what I see from him. That's why I don't love the contract. But then again, as you say, I'm not going to beat the Clippers up but so much because maybe they feel like they had to do this because you, know, you just go back to the trade that they made to land him. What was it, three first-round picks that they gave up? Five. Um, and now, so I, maybe they feel like, maybe they feel like, you know, we, we, we do this thing again. We get Paul, we get Paul healthy. Uh, Cause you know, he was in and out the lineup, you know, with all, with the injuries, um, never really could probably didn't have the best chemistry. I think there's some, you know, maybe a little explanation if you, you know, if you, if you, uh, if you're into that type of thing and maybe Doc Rivers didn't use him the best, but, you know, we've heard Paul George, you know, make a few, you know, jab-like comments at Doc Rivers, you know, oh, man, I hit shooting too many threes. And I didn't like all the threes that he shot last year. I thought I thought they used him way too much at the three-point line. I didn't like that he he didn't seem um, as aggressive as I'd like to see him get into the hole. Um, so, you know, I think I think best-case scenario, I think this, of course, it, it has a chance to work. Um, but, but Paul George has got to come out there. He's got to live up to this contract. This, to me, you know, there are, um, you know, I think, Obviously, you, you know, you get paid what I think in, in general, you get your contract is what they're expecting you to do. You got to perform up to it. But sometimes people get paid for what they've done and they're just expected to continue. Paul George isn't getting paid for what he just did because he didn't do much of anything compared to his talent. So he, he, I think there's a lot of pressure on him to live up to this um, because if, if you come out there and just and you perform like you did last, last season, it's just not going to be acceptable. And the Clippers, to me, they didn't get they didn't get better this offseason, in my estimation. The Lakers had a much better offseason than they did. Um, the the Golden State's going to be back. It's, it's going to be competitive. And uh, the Clippers, like like it's unlike last year, where we where we thought it was a foregone conclusion where it was going to be the Lakers and Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. It won't be like this. Uh, it will not be like th- that this season, especially if Paul George doesn't come back right. Yeah, this, I'm a little higher on it, I guess, than you guys. Not not much. I, I understand that Paul George probably 
in a vacuum isn't really worth a max contract uh, at this point in his career at age 30 and the fact that we haven't seen the best of him in the last year or so. Um, but, but I think there's a couple things you can point to and why the Clippers made a, I think, a fairly smart decision. And, and again, oftentimes fans and people and even people like us who study a little much more closely, we still think of everything in terms of either you're tanking or you're going for a championship. Like, that's what we think, right? I mean, I know there's teams that we obviously say they're in the middle, but the trajectory is usually straight up or straight down, you know, you feel like. The Clippers just traded, like like y'all said, like five first-round picks. They don't own their own first-round pick until 2027. There's no point to suck going forward, okay? If, if this is maybe not working out and you just saw like it didn't really win you a championship, which is the only expectation, but you have to understand when you're the owner of a team and especially when you're the Clippers and you're trying to establish a new identity, you got your new arena opening up and you're trying to really build a solid team that, that contends every year, you have to build around somebody. And if you go ahead and get Paul George locked down, you've got half of that. Even if Kawhi Leonard takes off, though he wasn't eligible for an extension this year, he will be next year, or he can, you know, sign a new contract, go to free agency, whatever, whatever. Um, if, if Kawhi Leonard was to walk away right now and you just had Paul George, you're still not, you're still going to be an okay team if you've got the salary cap room to build something around him. You know, you'll have a legitimate NBA star for a few more seasons. I mean, I get Paul George wasn't great in the playoffs. I get that he had a down year, but he was still averaging about 21 and a half points on about 30 minutes per night. I mean, that, that's not atrocious. And you have to think, coming back from two shoulder surgeries this, this following year, he'll be fully healthy. He's got clearly a vote of confidence from the team. He's got a big contract. We, we know that confidence was a problem with him this past season, it, it appeared to be, especially in the playoffs. You get that back, you're going to have a solid team. Even if you're not great, you're going to be okay. That puts fans in seats, that sells tickets, that recoups your money, and that keeps your franchise going. NBA teams often, I think MLB kind of does this too. Sometimes it's not about winning championships. It's sometimes just about being good. Being good is sometimes good enough for some of these owners. And a team like that doesn't want to be bad. You know, they, they want to be at least okay. And getting Paul George locked down gives you that, if, if nothing else. And it also says, hey, Kawhi, we already got half this figured out. You come in, you sign a big contract. We got you two. We can make it work almost every season. We're going to have a pretty good team every season. So I like it more from the team's perspective. And for Paul George, it's great. I mean, in that contract extension, I mean, you're 30. That's it. That's your last time you're getting paid, but you're getting paid every dime you can squeeze out of them. So, hey, good for you. Um, and no more bouncing around for you, hopefully. But, um, again, you're talking about a guy that can be really good. And in the right circumstance, you know, I, I think he can get back to what he was. And uh, we'll, we'll hopefully – see it you know because if not that contract is going to start looking bad in a few years well fellas it is time for everyone's favorite thing which is of course top 10 lists uh espn.com released their top players before the start of the 2021 nba season uh lebron's going to lead the pack at number one with teammate anthony davis at number two uh Giannis, luca and Kawhi round up the top five in that order uh then kevin durant damian lillard seth curry james harden and the joker uh line up six through ten so uh pretty simple jay uh what do you think of the list and did they get it right I'll tell you one. I'll tell you the first. I'll tell you the first thing they didn't get right. Putting this thing on ESPN Plus, acting like this is exclusive material. This, I'm pretty sure it's the first time they didn't done that. They can go ahead and piss off with that. Um, but as far, well, you know what? Actually, as far as the list go, yeah, it, let, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, I, listen, I understand that LeBron and Anthony Davis. You know, they come, the best do. I think we can. I think it's fair to say. I think it's pretty clear. This is the best duo smoking right now in the NBA. I think Anthony Davis absolutely. Uh, you know. You know, legitimize. You know his. Um, too. <laughs> yeah, right. I think. Um, 
I think he submitted like his place in the NBA. You know, obviously you got the questions of you know, what did you really accomplish with the Pelicans? You know, you come over to the Lakers and there's some questions on um, you know, how how good can you be? Can you perform when when it when it really counts? He absolutely did that. But I think they have, you know, when you have a back-to-back reigning MVP in the Greek freak and you slide him at 3, I think that's a little disrespectful. I would have I would have Giannis at 2 and I would probably slide AD back a bit. I'd probably put him at 5. I think um I think when you look at Luka and Kawhi, I think that I think that I actually I think I agree with that one. I think when you project Luka, when you look at from his rookie year to his second year, um I think that jump was um it was something something to behold. Uh, I think the playoff performance against the Clippers in the first round, even though he came up short, I, I think I think it's something to behold. I think I think it's something we could see Luka perform and meet that expectation as the fourth best player in the league. Um, you know, just tighten up that deep, maybe maybe uh, improve a little bit on the defensive end. But he can absolutely put a team on his back. I mean, you think about even when Kristaps uh, Porzingis is out, they're still dangerous and they still are capable. He can carry you. You know, he, he's a guy who can come out there and put up a monster triple, though, not one of them little 10, 11, 10 specials. No, he's hitting you with the 40, uh, 15, and 15. Uh, but, of, but, of course, Kawhi could definitely, like, overtake him. I mean, it's not, it's not something that's a done, done deal. Uh, you look down the list. I mean, I think I think KD is probably an interesting one, and um, that, that you probably struggle to probably place him given, I think, what we don't know and don't know how good he's gonna come back off an Achilles injury. I think that's a little unknown, but I I think six is about right. Um, I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little um, unsure about what the Damian Lillard stuff is. I, I think having him above Steph and James Harden, I, I think that's a little bit much. Um, I don't get quite the fascination with Damian Lillard. Uh, I think just yeah the, the whole um, the whole come to the bubble and you know overtake the depleted Memphis Grizzlies. I mean that was real cute, but I mean we saw what happened in the playoffs. You know you just you just got your you got your butt kicked, and quite soundly I might add. You know well of course they got that game one win, but we knew that was an aberration. But I would um you know even even Jokic you know consider what the even though I don't think we quite. Uh, saw it would happen. I mean, got to give him credit. You know, they overcome two, three, one deficits and against the Jazz and the Clippers. So, I mean, you could maybe slide, you could slide Lillard back a ways, in my opinion, given like what what he hasn't done. I mean, given the fact that they fell from the Western Conference Finals to just barely making the playoffs, I, I wouldn't be mad if you slid Damian Lillard back a good ways. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd give too much of a rip if he fell out the top ten. I thought, but this um, you go on down the list. You think of guys that can maybe crack crack into the top ten. I think Jason Tatum. He's right on the outside looking in. I mean, given what we saw in the second half of last season, uh, I, I think there's some. Um, I think we could see him maybe take another step forward. Maybe um, you know get into you know that MVP conversation. You know, I don't know if he can win it, but maybe um, you know he continues to take those steps in his development. You know, I think it's certainly plausible. Um, I think Jimmy Butler at twelve. I, I think that's I think that's probably about right. Um, of course, I think he gets a big boost, you know, from the, the leadership and the intangibles and the overall effect he has on his team. Um, I think him and Bam right together. That's um that's pretty interesting to see them that close together. How about how about Bam out of bio over Joel Embiid? I don't I don't know. That's um that's that says a lot about Bam out of bio. You go on down the list. I think I think Zion being being at 19th above the likes of you know Paul Paul. I just got paid George and. Uh, you know, even even yeah. Pascal Siakam, Kyrie Irvin. That's um those are those are lofty expectations. Um, we'll see if we can meet it. And of course, uh, I think uh, let's 
Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell. I think I'd probably have Donovan Mitchell over Devin Booker, but I think it's. I don't think it's. It's not. It's certainly not the worst list I've ever think uh, I've ever seen. Uh, but but a few legitimate gripes. Um, I will say there's no no Russell Westbrook in the top twenty five. That's uh, that's certainly an omission. I I don't know if I'm ready to say uh, Russell Westbrook is in the top twenty five player. I, I I would probably have Westbrook in my top fifteen. So, I guess a better question is, what criteria did they use to come up with this list? Because if, if you knew the criteria a little bit better, I think it might make a little more sense. I don't know. Are we using past metrics? Are we using present metrics? Are we using future metrics? Because I just feel like they use whatever the hell they wanted to in this. I think what they're doing is they're trying to project who's going to be the best this season. So there's a little bit of a future lean to it. Not a hundred percent, but there think, is a little think, bit of a future lean, I think is what they're yeah, trying I think to this, do. I think this is a projection, but I mean, in the end, I still, I still think it does beg a question like, well, how did you, how do you project that Zion's going to be better than all these dudes? How, how are you really, are you really projecting that Damian Lewis is going to be better than Steph Curry and James Harden? Right. I still think so, fair questions. Right. So my, my thing is, listen, I go with the proven commodity. And so let's start with the top five. You're, you're damn right they got it right with LeBron James. I've been beating that drum. You're absolutely right they got it right with LeBron James. But I guess they took the rest of the time off after they got LeBron James. They was like, all right, we'll take the layup with LeBron James and we'll mail in the rest of it. No. Anthony Davis ain't no second best player. I like Anthony Davis. I'm a fan of Anthony Davis. Listen, this ain't it. This year, this, this ain't it. All right, this ain't it. Anthony Davis, at, he might fall in between six and ten, but listen, like Jay said, I'm going LeBron, Giannis number two. I'm not. I'm not happy about the Luca being number four. Once again, I go with proven commodity. Luca was very impressive last year in the bubble. Now, why would I take a player that was impressive last year in the bubble and put him in front of players that have shown me that they can make it happen under more hostile circumstances? One, Kawhi Leonard. One, Kevin Durant. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? If you want to say you, okay, we're penalizing Kevin Durant because he didn't play last year. This is why the criteria matters for me. This is why the criteria matters. because. All of a sudden now Luca is better than KD. Or Luca has a brighter forecast than uh Kawhi Leonard. Why? Why? Because he had a good bubble run? Because he played he had he had an almost MVP season. I I I I I'm not feeling it. So my top five probably most likely will be LeBron, Giannis. I will go, I will move Kawhi to third. I will move Kevin Durant to fourth. Because I do think Kevin Durant is a top five player. I don't know what's going on here. And then my fifth player, well, matter of fact, my fifth player probably would be Steph before it be Luca. Luca would be like number six for me. Because I got to go with the commodity. I got to go with the players I've seen get it done when it matters the most. I haven't seen that out of Luca. Not saying he can't do it, but what have I seen? A bubble run? What? A possible MVP run? I'm sorry. I need to see it on a re regular circumstances when you got fans spitting on you and all this other mess going on, and you got to go out there and get it. And that's what I've seen out of these other cats. Now, um, 
I'm going down to six through ten. I just mixed that up because I told you Durant will be in my top five. I'm with Jay. I don't know the fascination with Damian Lillard. He's a good rapper, but he didn't play in the All-Star game because he wanted to rap his song rather than play in the All-Star game. Neither here nor there. But Damian Lillard, he'll send you home. He'll do some impressive things. Top 10, I'm sorry. And he got ESPN. Why in the... You got, you got Damian Lillard in front of James Harden, and then you got the fact to have James Harden one spot in front of um, Nokic. This is some disrespectful bull Ooh, right here. This is disrespectful. Like, come on, man. Really? We, James Harden ain't did enough to not be one spot ahead of the Joker? What? But once again, I don't know the metrics. That's why I got to know the criteria. Like, if it's projected... Maybe. Maybe because he don't want to show up to count. They they just don't feel like he deserves to be higher. I don't know. But that just don't make sense to me. Like, what are we talking about here? And then when we go to these other players, listen, Zion, I, all you got to do is show up, buddy. You in the Hall of Fame. Like, I'm so sick of this mess. Yo, every time I see Zion, he's somehow he's getting more and more credibility without even doing nothing. Yo, like, you didn't even make... Pelicans didn't make the playoffs, but somehow he's the 19 best player. And I, I don't, I just don't get that. I'm a firm believer in show me something. What? They got him in front of Paul George. Yeah, I lit Paul George up in the last segment. Yes, I did. But you know why? Because he has greater expectation and he's not living up to it. Zion ain't done nothing. Why is he, what's he done? Make a good run for rookie of the year, but he lost. But like, what, what has he done? Like, Oh, gross a lot of money for the NBA? Okay, good. Hey, I guess that counts. That's a stat, too. Single-handedly changed the playoff format. Good job, Zion. Single-handedly, yeah, exactly. By himself. That's what I'm saying. This dude is getting holl- – he getting LeBron treatment already. Like, what are we doing here? Well, we know, this is probably, well, we I'm sorry, it's probably know, the future uh, lean right here. Is what you're talking we, about. Oh, well, we know how that's ESPN season. As soon as when LeBron's out of there, you know Zion's got next. <laughs> and as far as like the commercials oh, and like yeah. every other social media post that they post is going to be Zion. Oh, Zion put on new socks today. We got a post about it. So I mean, they obviously <laughs> are well invested in the young man's success. And so with that said, right, and that's what I'm saying, right. And then look at this, right. Let's let's talk about Jamal Murray. Y'all, you. Jay, you just explained to me how uh, Luka Doncic had this nice run in the bubble and he had this nice season and this, that, and the third. We, we don't feel like Jamal Murray had just that impressive bubble run as anybody? Think, for me, I think – for me, I give Luka more credit than just the bubble. I think his entire season was MVP-esque. And remember, he was, a, he was an all-star game starter. Jamal Murray was kind of – you know, I think he was my breakout player last season. But we didn't really see much from him until the playoffs. That's, that's why I'm at with that. Wasn't, he? wasn't Murray Who? kind of working back Murray? from injury? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was, but. Then the regular okay. season. Okay. So when you put it in that totality, I thought, you're right. Yeah, I thought, I thought Luca was impressive throughout. Okay. Um, I, I still don't like seeing him in four. But you're right. That's, that's a point, point well taken. Um. I don't want to drag this out. The fact of the matter is this, ESPN. Listen to your boy. I'm coming in hot. The next time you do one of these doggone projections, can you 
can you give us a little criteria so we understand why you put certain players where you put them? Because probably, I some pay for it. Hey, well, I pay, hey, I pay for the subscription anyway, so just charge me. <laughs> just, but you know what I'm saying? Make some sense of this because it just doesn't like I'm looking at this. It doesn't make sense. The disrespect of Kevin Durant, the disrespect of James Harden, like the disrespect of Giannis. What the hell? Why? Because AD won a title. So just bump everything I did. AD won a title. Now you better like come on. Like granted, I do know people hold that against Giannis, but Giannis still a two-time MVP. Steph Curry still a two-time MVP. Only unanimous MVP, I might add. Like, come on, man. Doesn't, like, it, doesn't it kind of fly in the face of like just pure logic to for like, yeah, even if LeBron and AD were like the two best players in the league, wouldn't it like make sense that the fact that they're together, like one of the other is gonna like take to take a little inflated. bit of shine off the other, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. That yeah, that's why that, that it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, this so in 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 totality, it's it's a decent list. It gives us something to talk about, but it just it doesn't make a lot of sense without the criteria that they use. And I see why they put it on ESPN Plus because they were trying to hide it from everybody. <laughs> Unfortunately, people had you know got a few dollars, so they spent it, and we we caught them. We we seen it, and now we're talking about it. So it is what. It, but they got to do better, man. I, I just want feeling some of the, you know some of these moves. Yeah, the uh, these lists, again, I don't like about them is that they're so subjective. You can really, you know, it goes back to the great old GOAT debate. You know, do I want stats? Well, I'm going to go with Wilt Chamberlain. Do I want rings? I'm going to go with Bill Russell. Do I want all around? And I'm going Michael Jordan. Do I want on and off the court? And I can go with LeBron. Like, you, you can, again, whatever metric you decide to use is just whatever you can make the list based around that. I think that if you're telling me best player, then I think both sides of the ball. I think leadership. I think a little bit of everything. And when I think about it, I mean, I still like LeBron at number one. I have no problem with that at all. Um, but then again, like you'll just talk about Anthony Davis. Well, how is he two if LeBron's one? I just, again, I don't, I don't understand how. I know I, I would say Anthony Davis is solid, you know, top five, but two, you know, I think Giannis should be two. Um, I think we all kind of agreed on that. Uh, Luca, I, I, if you're if you're giving me the, the future projection, I, I'll lean to it. I like it. I mean, he almost twenty nine points. 9.4 rebounds, I think 8-point-something assists per game. I mean, the guy was a do-it-all, everything. The only real big knock on Luka is that on defense, he is not great. And you, especially in the playoffs, they had to kind of, like, work him around and hide him a little bit. But that's, you know, that's the worst knock you have. I mean, Luka is going to be – he's going to be the dude for a while. I mean, it, it, he really is going to be a top-five player, I think. So having him in the top five, I think it's a little – disrespectful to Kawhi just because he didn't win the championship this year. So I guess he's trash now. Like, I don't, I'm not sure what this is all about, but I would switch Luca and Kawhi and the rest of the list. Uh, James Harden's the other big disrespect. I would probably flip him and Lillard uh, easy Durant. You know, that's, that's the hard one to peg, you know, cause you don't know if Dur if Kevin Durant comes back and he's the Kevin Durant, we all know and love, well, then he could be in the top two or three. Each might be an Anthony Davis spot, but if he's going to be 85% Kevin Durant, well, then you gotta, you gotta bring him down a little bit. So I think that's what we're doing for now. We're kind of, I think ESPN is just basically hedging their bets and putting him at six. Uh, again, y'all kind of talk about Lillard a little bit too high Curry, you know, see how he, how he does this season, but he's still definitely a top 10 player. And then, yeah, get on the list. These are all, pretty good for the most part i mean zion if they take the bubble wrap off of him and they let the man actually play and they get some help around him he might be a top 20 player i mean that he looks like he could be special too but as of now you're you're basically running off the projection that he's going to be i mean right now i mean he's next to donovan mitchell 
my God, Donovan Mitchell's done way more so far than, than Zion Williamson has. I mean, we just saw the best of Donovan Mitchell in this past uh, playoff run. So there's a couple things you can knock. Uh, right. I mean, he's over guys like Bradley Beal. I mean, you know, and I mean, even Bradley Beal, you can argue as well. If he's just about best player, I mean, he's a better player than Zion today. But again, if you're leaning into the future, I can see that. So yeah, overall, again, it's a these these are fun, and you get to you know you can kind of talk about it however you want. But um, nothing egregious. But yeah, there's a few they could have probably done better with on this. All right, fellas, it is time to cap it off with some college football. Uh, this weekend before the conference finals, um, lots of stuff going on still. Many of your playoff hopeful teams are off, unfortunately, but we will we will have Florida and Alabama in action. Uh, the rest of the lineup just have a few of the top 25 matchups. You got North Carolina and Miami. And a bit of other news uh, as a follow-up from Tuesday, Ohio State will be allowed to face Northwestern for the Big Ten title. The conference did go ahead and change that game requirement. Uh, so, Drink, what do you think of the Big Ten's decision, and uh, what's on your radar for this weekend's action? Um, listen, it was a decision that had to change. First of all, that would, I don't understand why the Big Ten made that decision. Like, it's COVID. You have to be as flexible as you can possibly be in a year like this. Why would you even make that, that de- declaration? Hey, you got to play six games. Why? You don't even know if you're going to be able to play three games, less than on six. And then you make this, and then guess what you had to do? Go back and overturn that ruling, just like you had to overturn the ruling of not playing. The Big Ten need to sit on and take a class on flexibility and patience, because clearly they don't got that. They're like, I don't know what, what's going on with that conference, but they have to go and undo all these decisions because they jump and rush and make a decision. Just smoke a cigarette. Have a seat. Look at the SEC. Look at, look at the AC. Look at all these other conferences. Take a breath. Yes, parents are going to come at you. Uh, health officials are going to come at you. A lot of people are going to come at you. Take a breath. It's all right. You don't have to jump and make a rash, irrational decision and then go and change it. So as far as them changing that, it's about damn time. Hopefully, they don't have to go undo any more rulings that they have because they rushed into it. So that's my thought on that. I'm glad they did that. We're going to get to see um, Ohio State and Northwestern in the Big Ten championship. You know, we'll see how that go. A little correction. You said Alabama was playing Florida this weekend. That's next weekend. No, I said Um, Alabama and Florida are playing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, all right. Cool. I may have said that. Probably did. I I probably heard you wrong. Uh, But you're all right. They are playing. So, no harm, no fault. So, um, one – uh, one game that that sticks sticks out to me the most is um, we got number nine Georgia versus number twenty five newly cemented number twenty five Missouri um, top twenty five matchup that's quite interesting. If you would have asked me about this game probably three four weeks ago, I'm like, why are we talking about this? Um, Missouri been playing some good ball. I think they're on a, like a four game like winning streak as of now. Um, they they have picked up their act from the beginning of the season. Um, and then we know about Georgia. We don't know what to make of JT Daniels. We don't know if he's for real. We just seen Georgia beat up on some not-so-complete teams, let's say. Um, and, and, you know, JT Daniels, he should have been there from the start. Wait, wait, hold, hold a minute. Hold the phone. Because don't think JT Daniels would have been the savior versus a, a fully healthy Alabama or Florida, a fully healthy Florida team or whatever the case might be. Let's not let's not forget he beat up on a beat up Kentucky team that had barely enough players to make it. A beat up Mississippi State team that probably had a third string quarterback 
punting the ball. And then he beat up on, um, I think it was Arkansas or something like that, that wasn't fully complete. So they haven't played a, a I think, in my opinion, a fully prepared team ready to play. I think Missouri, Missouri will get them all they can handle. Um, I'm going to take Georgia in that game. So that was one game I looked at. Of course, we got old Arkansas, better known as Bacon Bits. Yeah, I like that in my salad. So we're going to go ahead and take care of that, try to eat healthy this weekend. And then we got number 17, North Carolina, going over to number 10, Miami. I, I like to call this the ACC overrated bowl. Let's see which one of these teams is really, you know, let's see which one of these teams really is going to be about their life, um, as they say. Let me ask you real quick on that on that games, real quick. Do you think if Miami and Clemson played today, that that game would be any different? No. Do you think they've gotten any better? No. no. I don't, I don't, not not enough to play Clemson. They might got a little better to play. Well, like they if they wouldn't get drug is what I'm asking. Would they get drug again, or do you think they would be a closer game? I think they compete uh, with them. Yeah. But I'm not. I, I wouldn't. No, them. no, no. They're getting drugged. They, they, okay. The team. If they're playing with what DJ, well, however you say his name at quarterback, maybe it's closer. If they play with Trevor Lawrence, no, nah, no, nah, we're getting the same result. I'm sorry, Miami, Miami, they're cool. They're the U. They don't have the players and the talent to me to stay up with Clemson. Now, you talking about other teams in the in, in the ACC? Yes. Do you, if you want to tell me that Miami is the second or third or fourth, I mean third, fourth, fifth. You know what I'm saying? Team in the ACC. Yeah, I ain't mad at that. But they they don't want no smoke with Clemson for real. And, you know, I don't think they want smoke with Notre Dame. And I'm not the biggest Notre Dame fan. I just think those teams are better coached, better players, and they're just at a different plateau than Miami. That's just my opinion on that. This is why I call this the overrated bowl. I think Miami got credit for playing Clemson so early in the, in the season. And now they've been able to um, tread water. And they look pretty decent. But if you notice, Miami hasn't moved from that 10 spot since, like, the first ranking. Like, they've been hovering in that 10, like, the whole time. That tells me not the committee saying, we'll keep you in the top 10, but at 10 until you show us something. So not even the committee is fully sold in. Can they make a difference with number 17, North Carolina? Who knows? They're here to miss. It, it's, still a top, it's still a top 17 matchup. I ain't mad at it. I hope it lives up to the billing of how ABC trying to sell it to the fans. But we'll see. But I think both of these teams are uh, what I like to call pretty overrated. Um, so, and then <sighs> this is why ABC just got the SEC deal. Because when, when the rubber hits the road, they got a broadcast. UCLA versus USC as the 7:30 ABC game. Yeah, I just saw that right before you said. I was like, "What's he talking about?" Oh God! Is Chip Kelly still down there? And that, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm like. I don't yo, Chip, yo, Chip still there? Let me let me hit up the research department. Like that's the same thing I'm saying. Like, is Chip still there? Um, I think USC gonna boat race UCLA. By the way. I think USC is a pretty – I think they're a decent team. Do I think they can stack up with the powerhouses in the SEC or the Big Ten? Probably not. I mean, they might get – yeah, they might lose to Cincinnati. But I think 
because they're USC, they're undefeated, they're playing pretty decent football, it's a reason why they're going to be on primetime TV because we know the overall goal of the college football landscape is to have at least one good team from each region of the United States to show parity, which don't really matter for much once the final playoff rankings come because it's all down soft for that fact of the matter. But, you know, there's neither here nor there. Um, but, yeah, you got, you got that game. I think that'll be interesting. Um, I am interested to see if number 18, George Boys, I mean, Cody Boys, I should say, BYU bounce back at, against San Diego State there. Let's see how many points they put up. What do you think, about 45? I hope so. Oh, they, they mad? This is the better, revenge yeah, game? Better, better make me look good. Uh, you lost to the Chandeliers. Now you want to take it out on the Aztecs, huh? That's what's going to go on here? Huh? Yeah. All right, so I, I guess that's what we're going to see out of that. I mean, then we got Florida. Um, Listen, uh, Cody, you made it clear Florida is in action against LSU. That game is only interesting because people are about to bring out the measuring stick. We're like, hey, Florida, this is what Alabama did. We're going to need you to do the same thing. Uh, we're going to think a little less of them. So that game is interesting just to see what exactly do Florida do to try to outclass Alabama because, you know, now it's all about measuring sticks at this point. So in a nutshell, man, um, few games, not many. But like I said, the game for me, probably Georgia and Missouri, to be honest. You know, and like I said, I look at Alabama and bacon bits. So I look at uh, Florida and um, the <laughs> woeful Tigers. And, um, you know, I'm going to look at this North Carolina and Miami game, and that's probably pretty much it for your boy on college football this weekend until they bring back next weekend with some actual good old live action. How about your boy? Yeah, I hate to, I hate to, you know, rain on this cool parade of games, but it's, it's, it's not all that impressive. I think Drink seemed like Drink went over quite a few games, and like most of them he went over. I'm just like, nah, I'm not really that interested. You're gonna have to sell me a little <laughs> bit harder. I think, I think the mere, I think the mere fact that he brought up Georgia and Missouri just speaks to the overwhelming, you know. Yeah. It's just you know the fact that you have to bring up that, uh, and and ESPN ain't even sold on the game because they got it on the SEC network. So they they not even sold on it. So and then you know I, th I think North Carolina and Miami is probably the most interesting game of the weekend. You know that kind of the the uh, kind of second tier type teams in the ACC. You know the whole thing. You know is the is the U back? And do we have to really stomach more of the turnover chain parade? Or you know will the Mac Browns come in there and you know do the thing with the with Sam Howells and such? Uh, but really, when you really want to know how bad this slate is, you need look no further. Drink already brought up one of them. He brought up the ABC game, which I don't even know. If I'm Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit, I don't even know if I show up for that one. I think that can you flex? You know, they flex, they flex games in the NFL. Can we flex commentators? Can we get something else? Maybe they can go up call Georgia, Missouri, since that's going to be such a barn burner. No, they need to. No, if I'm them, I'm like, yo, I want to go to the North Carolina and Miami game. This is bull yeah, crap. That's right. That's probably the one. But then it, but also the Pac so the Pac twelve gets the ABC game on, on at seven thirty, which is you know that's a pretty prestigious spot. And you know, but you know where Fox make their money? They own that big noon, that big noon energy. And guess mm -hmm. what they doing? They're doing Ooh. Utah and Colorado. <laughs> oh my lord, I can't. And and I say you know, and then you know you keep going. You can Illinois Northwestern, nah, Wisconsin Iowa. Nah, it's just so many games. I'm like, that's why I'm going bowling tomorrow. I, I'm not really going to waste a whole lot of time on some of this. I will be back in time for my boys. See if we can go on a, you know, a terrific two-game winning streak in the battle for the Commonwealth Cup. 
Yeah, that's Virginia, Virginia Tech. We'll see if we – or maybe we'll start, I don't know, another 17-year losing streak to them. Hopefully not. Uh, but I think the, the biggest news um, is obviously I think the Ohio State development in the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, I think it's kind of predictable. You know, the Big Ten, they want to take this um, – you know, they want to take this hard line, like, you got to play this many games to make the Big Ten title. And as soon as they feel like their conference is in some trouble, you know, and, oh, well, you know, well, how, they actually need this game now because, you know, the committee, they're not going to look kindly on them if we, they play, like, five games and they don't have the Big Ten crown sitting on their heads. So, you know, that's obviously interesting. I would be – I would kind of want to know if it was another team. Let's just say Indiana. Beat Ohio, had beat Ohio State, and then Indiana was in danger of, like, not having enough games to qualify, would Indiana get the same treatment? And would they kind of – or is it just an Ohio State an Ohio State thing? I don't think – I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just posed the question. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to – I would like to know if it was another team, would they get the same treatment? We're obviously not going to know that, but I think it's one of them fun hypotheticals. But you know, yeah. since this schedule, since this schedule is so you know underwhelming, I got I got time for the nonsense today. I'm gonna take you back to Thursday night. Something I just saw before we got to this segment. And by the way, live update: uh, Arizona State is now just just it's 42 nothing with five minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, Arizona State is whipping Arizona. I don't know what Kevin Sumlin's doing down there. Right, he probably left. Sean, I know. Uh, coach. North, uh, what is it? Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh beat uh, Georgia Tech 34-20 last night. That's not all that much newsworthy. But the the little post-game handshake between the coaches, Pat Narduzzi and Jeff Collins, I, I watched the video on it. Uh, you know, it's just it's, it's something that, you know, teams do and coaches do. You know, you, you finish the game, you shake hands, and you move on. And the they coaches, they reach out and stretch it. Jeff Collins, like, touches Narduzzi's hand and then, like, just rips it away, not even a full handshake. I don't know what that is. I, I think it's embarrassing. I think it just speaks to – and, you Yo. know, I'm always, da- I'm always down to, like, take a dump on Georgia Tech because they ran that, that Bush League high school triple option garbage under Paul Johnson for years and years. So, you know, they were never going to be truly relevant on the national stage. And now they just stink. I don't know what this dude, Jeff Collins, he can, so he came in. He can't even do anything right. He can't even go out there and shake somebody's hand. And well, look, man, he, he had got, somewhere got, to be. He was running late. They got running late to what? Okay. Well, and then, <laughs> and then so the, the quotes, I find the quotes hilarious, too, because Narduzzi is trying to, you know, be, you know, win with some grace and, you know, be humble and all that. He's like, hey, you got a good team over there, you know. And it's, he said, he says, Jeff Collins said, baloney. You know, on one hand, I can't be mad at Jeff Collins because he's actually factually correct. And he said, you know what? Actually, no, my team stinks. You're right. They actually do. And then, but then his follow-on quote, which I didn't even tell y'all about earlier, makes even less sense. He said, I just focused, I was just focused on getting our guys over to the band to celebrate. Celebrate what? Who the hell go over there and celebrate a loss? I don't I, I don't know what that is. So I I but just that is how underwhelming this slate is. The mere fact I got time to talk about Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech and a handshake that they came to do. And it, it just goes back to, you know, the, the ACC should redo that little unity commercial that they do with all the coaches. And they got a little, you know, because they're, they're so woke and everything. And Jeff, they should yank Jeff Collins out of that commercial since he came to do something as simple as this right. Setting a great example for the athletes, Jeff. Good job, man. Look, hold on. First, first I want to say this. In, in defense of old Collins whatnot, he was practicing social distancing. He didn't want to shake his hand because he know 
you you don't supposed to be doing it. It's the elbow bump, you know, the fist bump, something like that. I right? so I don't know what what the real problem is. But hey, I'm tell you this: that guy's just frustrated. You ain't never been frustrated before, and like somebody come up to you and say, "Hey, man, how you doing?" Yo, you just just leave me alone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think he's frustrated. But I do agree. That's Bush League. You can't be a, a head coach of a Division One team pulling that bull crap. You need to take that to Division Three, a JUCO or something. But that that don't happen in Division One. If, if you're just upset about it, then you just go on straight to the locker room, go kick a trash can, and punch the drywall. I mean, if you're gonna go out and stick your hand out to another man, and as soon as he touches your hand, you're gonna turn around and walk off. That is like the utmost. He, he's lucky Arduzzi didn't try to grab one of the cops' guns or something like. <laughs> That is, oh that is just that is sexually just disrespect. I don't know who raised him. That's not what you do. I mean, I well, then, no. if you're trying to be old, little Howie Mandel, you know, years ahead of his time. Like, hey, man, it's all good. You know, we'll stay we'll, from, from Air, Air 5, you know, like, all right. Like, yeah. you're going to yeah. stick your hand down and then do that? Like, you got beef with him, man. I mean, you ain't just mad. I don't know. That is that is great, though. Yeah, a couple quick notes. Uh, the Ohio State thing, I think that what's interesting about that is I think they have it. The Big Ten has a, a plausible deniability here because it's clear that Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten, right? If Indiana would have beat Ohio State and they had a, you know, but they still had a loss, let's say, like it would have been, you know, maybe a little bit more suspect. But I guess that they won in all their games and maybe they would have gotten the same treatment. I don't think Indiana would be ranked as high as Ohio State is right now. They'd be like eighth. So maybe you'd have a bit more of an argument. But the Big Ten clearly had an out to just say, well, they're clearly the best team in the conference. They should play for the title. And a lot of people are going, yeah, all right. Like, yeah, are they? But, like, they are. So they, they get away with it. But it it's close. Um, I think uh, one thing to watch for this weekend, though, if you're Ohio State, is uh, Northwestern, you know, if they were to lose this weekend, they're playing Illinois, they're probably going to win. Illinois is not very good. But if they were to lose, that could kind of maybe jeopardize because that's going to make mm -hmm. your win look yeah. a little bit worse. Because I think a lot of people think that Ohio State is just a lot into the playoff now. Like, oh, they're getting the Big Ten, they're going to win. If, North if Northwestern loses that game, they're not going to look as good in that win. And also, yeah. like we, we talked about a little bit in the, the previous weeks of the scenarios, you know, if Florida does somehow upset Alabama – and Notre Dame and Clemson is like some field goal barn burning 50 to 53 sort of blowout, you know, uh, fiesta. Uh, that's going to be hard for Ohio State to get into the top four. I mean, you might see them get slid out anyway. So. If that, yeah, if, if that if that happened, I wouldn't take Ohio State. I would take those four teams. Right. So they're they're on better footing than I would say your A&Ms and your Cincinnati's and whatnot are. But it's not by no means a lock that they're going to the playoff right now. I think that there are paths where they could still be in trouble. And the last thing I'm looking at this weekend, um, I, I would say the Heisman race is going to get a little interesting. You got uh, Kyle Trask and Mac Jones, I think, are your clear two front runners. I don't I, I don't know. Is anyone else like any is that close? Like, I feel like it's pretty much just those two guys. Right. Like, I mean, I don't. Yeah, because you had you had, you had the guy from BYU. Clearly, yeah. he didn't drop because yeah, of his loss. Did. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think those two yeah, guys think, are the yeah, other guys you would think of, like Trevor Lawrence, he missed a lot of time with the COVID. Justin Fields has been hampered by the Big Ten, you know, their just their lateness to the whole the overall party. So I right. mean, yeah, it's that it's it's a wacky year to where guys you would think would be like in the conversation. You know, they just don't have the, the numbers to be taken as seriously as you'd like. Hold oh, up. Speaking of numbers, they need to put my boy Devontae Smith in there. He needs some highs and love out here. That, that's that's true. Like it'd be like supplementary like pieces on Alabama or you know maybe I don't know probably not Florida but like yeah like 
Yeah, Devontae Smith, like this dude, like every time you look at the stat sheet, there's some outrageous thing that he's doing. Right. I was thinking of the Devontae Smith. I mean, you could make an argument for Kyle Pitts, you yeah, know, if you really uh, wanted yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. PFF actually had a really cool stat that 92% of his catches this season have resulted in a first down or a touchdown. That's wild. I mean, that's just insane. But anyway, the, real quick on the Heisman race, I would say that what's interesting is, uh, you know, Mac Jones, 3,100 yards. He's at 27 touchdowns, three picks. Kyle Trask, 3,200 yards, 38 touchdowns, three picks. They're both playing bad defenses this weekend. Arkansas is terrible. You know, LSU is terrible. Um, do do either coach does either coach you know try to pull back the reins like let's say both teams are up big early both of them are blowouts does does Dan Mullen or does Dan Mullen like just leave leave his foot on the gas does he say hey hey Trask go out there and throw it let's go win you the Heisman this weekend you know or or does you know Nick Saban try to say hey hey Mac you're just you're gonna go out there and go yard with both teams knowing they don't need style points and they're both going to the SEC championship next weekend you know how is that race going to look? And then, you know, we'll have time to talk about the race itself next week. But, um, you know, how much more ground can either candidate make for the Heisman, you know, at the end of the race here? It's, it's going to come down well, to these two guys, you know. I, I think just the point you made, Mac Jones got the shedders with Najee Harris and Devontae Smith, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And then you got Kyle Trash that probably had to share the spotlight with Kyle Pitts. The difference is this. Nick has shown this throughout the years. He he has no problem running the ball after he's up by so many points because right. he don't benefit from, you know, embarrassing the other guys. I, and I think with that said, I, I think Dan Mullins, Dan Mullins throws the ball more than Nick does. So I, I, I would foresee Kyle Trash's stats being a little bit better. It, it's the nature of the beast. But Florida don't have a run game like Alabama. So Najee's going to get carried. And then also, you you know, I, to answer your question, I see it more out of Florida than I see out of Alabama just because how Nick runs stuff. And I, I think Florida has to throw the, ball, throw the ball a little more than Alabama because their run game is not as impressive. So I do see Kyle Trask having the better stats out of the two once the weekend is over, but we'll see. I think I think Trask has the advantage right now, but I think from a coaching perspective, like I don't think the the Heisman race and you know padding stats, I don't think that's a consideration or it, it shouldn't be for either side. If you're in there talking about Heisman's and padding stats, you're not focused on the real objective in my estimation. Fair it's the championship. That's true. All right, so I'm finished off with that reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Let's go, drink. Let's roll, baby. Washington Wizards all-star shooting guard Bradley Bill said he won't judge his new teammate Russell Westbrook based off Westbrook's previous relationships with other star players. Is that the right approach, Jay? I think it's absolutely the right approach. You know how sensitive and, uh, you know, sometimes egotistical some of these NBA players can be. You know, you come in there just drawing, drawing conclusions based off, you know, other relationships they've had and kind of not taking into account your actual interactions with them, I think you set your, yourself up for failure. So I think that's absolutely the right approach for Bradley Beal. The NBA has fined Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets $25,000 for violating the league's media availability rules. Uh, Drink, are the NBA rules on media availability unfair? Absolutely not. And maybe this might be an unfair look, but let, let me put myself in his shoes. When I signed up to be in the military, Guess what? They slid so much stuff in that contract. And guess what? I signed the contract. I had to do it. It's the same thing here. Grow up, man. Like, if you don't want to talk, do it like Marshawn Lynch did. Show up, say five words that don't matter for anything, and go home. 
But to sit here and just say, I'm not talking to the media. I don't like the media. This is part of the job, brother. At the end of the day, the media has a role to translate what you're saying to the average fan. That's their role. So you don't have to translate what you're saying to the average fan. What are, what are you so mad about? Because they criticize you? We, everybody deserves to know the good and the bad. This is ridiculous. And I believe, and I, I agree with uh, David Aldridge, what he said earlier. If Kyrie keeps this mess up for every time he keep doing it, let's raise the bar, let's find them more, and then make the punishment more punitive. But this is ridiculous. They're acting like a baby. So, yeah, I think the NBA ruling is fair. Eagles offensive lineman Jason Peters will miss the rest of the season after deciding to have toe surgery. Your thoughts? Oh, the Eagles stink. Good luck to Jalen Hurts with uh, all the all the great, wonderful talent around him. Boston College has become the first college football team to announce its team will not participate in a bowl game. Uh, did Boston College make the right decision? Yes, I think this season. What what do because most likely Boston College is going to play a game that's up north in the empty arena. Well, what do they really get? It ain't like because you think about bowl season, it's usually like a tourist thing. Like you get this influx of you know, fans come in, um, your businesses make more money, your venues make more money, you know, so on and so forth. If can't nobody come, what's the point? You might well, like, go on holiday a little earlier. So I, I think more teams are going to do this. I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, if you're not playing in a playoff game, New Year's Six, you know, some of the other more prestigious bowls, I don't know. I, I'm not mad at it. Uh, I'm not mad at it at all. The Philadelphia Phillies have hired David Dombrowski as the new president of baseball operations. What you think of the hire, Jay? I think I think it's a good move. He's got a, a good track record of uh, being a good team builder and a, and a great general manager. Uh, he's, he's had successful runs with the Marlins, uh, with the Tigers, and uh, he uh, he was the architect of the 2018 Boston Red Sox. I think as far as uh, GM hires and uh, the baseball executives, uh, they probably can't do much better than this. The Duke Blue Devils men's basketball team has canceled the rest of their non-conference schedule. Well, was this decision necessary? I'm going to tell you, just like the Alabama men's basketball coach, Nate, Nate Oates, said, do you think Duke would have did this if they would have won their first two games? And I believe him. I think Duke realized they're not that good. They're not that good this year. And they're like, hold on. We got a card to play. Coronavirus. We only playing conference games because it gives them a chance to work on whatever they need to work on and be better. You know, I, I think this is a um, pretty soft move by the Duke men's basketball program, being one of the most premier basketball programs in the nation. And just because you don't like the way the season starts, you go and change the rules halfway through, I mean, in the middle of the season. So I, I don't think the decision was necessary, but it is what it is. It's Coach K, what are you gonna do? 49ers left tackle Trent Williams said, he doesn't hold a grudge against his former football team ahead of the San Francisco versus Washington Sunday's matchup. Do you believe him? No, I do not believe it. Ain't no, ain't no way that all that stuff could happen to Trent Williams and, you know, some of the medical things that happened and he could like absolutely not be somewhat salty about what happened. And even more so, I know some of the like people like Washington's had a little bit of a remake. Uh, with the with Ron Rivera being in there, but now now think about it. Trent Williams thought he was going to contender, and he gonna slide into Washington. Both these teams have the same five and seven record, and Washington could very well win this game. I I, I would not be pleased with what's going on there. 
Yeah. Uh, tomorrow evening on the zone at the Wembley Arena in London, uh, the IBF, WBA, WBO heavyweight title. They're all, they're all on the line in a boxing main event between Anthony, the champ Anthony Joshua and the contender Kubrat Kublev. Drink, does Anthony Joshua say the champ? Yeah, I think he do. Um, let me um, preface this by saying, um, Provolis is not, he's not a bomb. He only lost one fight. He's not, you know, you know, trash or anything. But Anthony Joshua was just in a different spot now. Um, and then he's come, this is his first fight in quite a while. Um, I, I know he'll have to knock off the rest of COVID and everything in the earlier rounds, but I think towards the end, he take care of this. He knocks this cat out, I think. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot that make me think this guy's going to go toe-to-toe with Anthony Joshua, but you never know. It's a boxing match, but I, I see this one ending in a knockout for Joshua. Golden State coach Steve Kerr says forward Draymond Green and rookie big man Jane Wiseman are both very unlikely to play in the upcoming preseason games. Does that concern you? Uh, nope, not at all. It's a preseason. Don't care. Uh, last one tomorrow evening, UFC 256 on ESPN pay-per-view. We got the main event. It's a UFC flyweight title bout between the flyweight champ Davison Figueredo and the number one ranked contender Brandon Moreno. Who you got, Drake? Uh, Figueredo, he a beast. No need to be said more. He the truth. How at your boy. All right. That clues day's drink of wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we going to do. We going to holler at you until next time, baby. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.